Starting off June with a mailbag. We're back with a mailbag coming in from Instagram at Just Baseball Show and on our Twitter at Just BB Media. Thank you guys for leaving all the questions. We got nine big ones ready to go. Just give us a quick synopsis on your Memorial Day weekend. I hope everybody else had a great Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, it looked like you got some nice sun. Uh, you looked like you were taking it in. Took the day off from the picks, poured a nasty coffee. I got a kick out of that. Um, yeah, and, I had uh, no idea about vanilla. Had no yeah, idea. And I was like, ugh, it's rough. potent. It's potent. But I, I was traveling all day Monday coming back. So the literal Memorial Day didn't enjoy that much. Uh, driving back from Pensacola because my flight got delayed. Uh, but the weekend was awesome. You know, got to go see my good friend Griffin Conine. Homer twice uh, over in Pensacola for the Marlins double A affiliate had some awesome interviews that are out on the call up now with Sal Freelick and Joey Weimer, two top 100 guys, both the top prospects for the Brewers. Both were so cool. Um, It was, it was a ton of fun. I know we were teasing that earlier. So that is out now to check out Freelick and Weimer. And uh, I'll be publishing my thoughts soon on, on all of the prospect write-ups through double A, which was really cool. So yeah, I had a blast and I hope everybody listening had a great Memorial day weekend as well. And you guys did a live stream on the loop app, which was yeah. awesome. And you got to talk, hear them talk about their cards too. That was really cool. Cause you never really see these players, you know, do they want their one of ones? I mean, we just see Jordan Lawler, yeah. the uh, great shortstop prospect for the Diamondbacks. He really wants his one of one. So to hear them talk about it was awesome. And we're going to talk about loop again in the middle of this episode, some of their best polls because the loop app is just so much fun. And the fact that we could do live streams on it too, just That's opens your- it up. Jazz, Jazz Chisholm was in the live to Dude. see his friends uh, with the Miami Marlins as well as joining the loop app because he's a big fan of baseball cards because who isn't these days? And of course, I think if anyone's going to collect themselves, it's Jazz freaking Chisholm, right? He's going to have a he's going to have a full collection of himself. Um, and I, mean I, that I can the most see Jazz just possible. driving up eBay prices too, <laughs> just on his own card. Just anybody like, oh, well, if I bought one, I bought one because I want it to be a really expensive card. That uh, seems like Jazz hundred percent. That's the most jazz thing ever, but yeah, it was a blast. We'll talk a little bit more about like how that whole uh, live stream went and, and some of the things we talked about in the loop segment, but that was super cool with Griffin Conan and Zach McCambly, two prospects in the Marlins system. And uh, I, I love how many questions we're getting in, dude. Like now we used to have to field the questions. You know, I remember it was like, we were retweeting it, like repushing it, like last call. Now we post it and, and people fire off. So if we didn't get to your questions, uh, we'll, we'll be sure to, to try to get to it next time. And, and thank you so much to everybody who's been firing all these uh, amazing cues because uh, it, it makes it really fun for us. And it's so cool to see all these different questions, you know, flying in. Yeah, we just have to thank all of you because you're the reason we do this every day. We love talking baseball five days a week on the Just Baseball Show. And if you are enjoying, if you'd leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a like, and and leave a comment down below after we get done with these questions. But one last thing before we get to the questions is, you know how Logan Paul, he like wore the, uh, he wore like a necklace with the Charizard uh, Pokemon card. I could see 
in a couple of years, like Jazz wearing a chain with his one of one, like right down with his like, own one of one. Around you see that just under his jersey, got he just takes it out. He's like, this card's worth about a billion dollars. I just homered. It's worth like ten dollars more now. <laughs> that is actually crazy. If anybody would do it, it's Jazz. And guess what? I think the baseball card around his neck would actually weigh less than his chains right now. That's he has what I'm the saying. Biggest chains I've ever seen. They're awesome. That's what I'm saying. It would literally be lighter. And if he really is that good, make sure your card is worth more than your chain. That's a flex. That's a flex. That's and a, a flex. And he would appreciate that. That's why he was on the loop app. Yes. So um, let's get into it because we have two negative questions off the bat. We have two, we have two questions. I just thought they were hilarious because I'm like, you know, normally we're like, who are the five best pitchers in baseball or who's some underrated guys or who, who are some prospects that we think are going to break out? But the first two questions are just straight up negative, but I'm kind of down to start off on a negative foot. Yeah, um, if you are, let's change it up. And also the funny thing is it's like it's like a backhanded compliment both these questions that you like they're they're just somewhat a good thing but kind of a bad thing it's like who's the worst of the best so uh i like the questions they're kind of funny uh and i think they'll stir up some interesting conversations so let's do it so here's the first one who is the worst ace in baseball asked by d hills on twitter and before you before you give me an answer arm because i know you got some in the pipe this is an interesting because is it the worst ace right now or is it the ace of the team moving forward? Mm-hmm. Who do we believe is the actual worst yeah. ace? Because and ace is very interesting because, for example, Sandy or Pablo would never fall into this ever. But who's the ace there? Yeah, like that. That's the interesting part, because there are multiple pitchers. You go to the Royals, for example. They got Ben Keller, who's pitching well. Will he continue to pitch well? Probably not. But then you have Brady Singer Lynch. Who's the ace? Yeah. Who'd you rather have moving forward? Yeah, I think that's what I'm saying. And I can give you my answer, but I feel like we're going to come to the same conclusion because we talked about this pre-recording. It's it's there seems like a clear answer, but maybe you came to someone else. So I know we're both on like Jose Quintana right now, right? Because it, here's the thing though. If, if it's at this present moment, there's a lot of pitchers not, that are not pitching as well as Jose Quintana. So I want to, I want to first on a positive note, the fact that we're even referring to Jose Quintana as the ace of the pirates. I don't even think we would have bet on that. I would have thought that even Brubaker would be better than him. And, and I was not very high on him. I think we would have bet on Mitch Keller being better than him. And so far, I mean, Quintana's pitched 46 innings, a 2.15 ERA, a 3.22 FIP. So even if you said like, oh yeah, he's a little lucky out of the gate, a 3.22 FIP is more than good for for Jose Quintana after what he's done. So moving forward, I think of all of the best pitchers on their respective teams, I think I'd want Jose Quintana the least, Uh, but he's turning himself into a nice little trade chip uh, for the Pirates. And I think a team would be more than happy if he continues to do this to to go get a left-handed pitcher that can eat some innings for them in the back end of the rotation. And I think if we're answering the question right now, and correct me if I'm wrong, I my brain went to John Gray on the Rangers because I feel like John Gray was supposed to really take hold of that ace, you know, coming over from Colorado and he's dealt with injuries. So it's not really fair. But if we're talking just right now, because I don't think that this will continue, I do think that he's going to get better. But if we're just looking at right now, who is the worst 
prototypical ace on a team because I, I think John Gray's been worse than like a Bruce Zimmerman has who might be yeah. the ace of the Orioles. He's been worse than, than Martin Perez on his own that's team. What, that's it's what I'm saying. Guy. And he's supposed to be the ace. So that's why that's the first thought that came to my mind. Who's an ace right now? The first thought that comes to your head who you knew was just not performing that well right now. That's a good question. I mean, even like, What's interesting is I feel like the teams that have the quote unquote, like struggling ace, another player came up and exactly and really took over. That's Look why it's such Cardinals. a hard question. Cause Would what's you an expect ace? Miles Michaelis to be the, the ace of the Cardinals? Like he's arguably been their, their best arm. So, and I look at the, the Rangers is Martin Perez, their ace. So it, it, it's interesting. What I will say is that it shows you that if you don't have that lights out guaranteed ace at the beginning of the year, they can get leapfrogged pretty quickly. My final answer, though, will probably be Brad Keller, just because he's striking out what? I think he's striking out like six per nine right now. What A strikes out six or seven per nine? I, I, I just I don't think he's going to keep it up for the Royals. And, and unfortunately, there's no one else really even there with him other than Daniel Lynch, who's shown flashes. But I would probably go with Keller as the worst, best pitcher on his team right now. I think you're right. Uh, that's how, that's where I go. The only thing I didn't say Keller is because I don't actually know who's the the ace of the Royals. I, I like I couldn't even give you an answer. Sometimes Lynch looks like it, but then sometimes he doesn't. Like right now, we're recording during the Guardians versus the Royals game, and Daniel Lynch gave up three first inning runs. You know, Brady Singer looked great in his last start, but moving forward, he's a two pitch guy. I do like Brady Singer. I do. I believe in him. But I mean, to your point. He teases you. I, I think Brady Singer can still be good. I mean, he's only 25. So, and again, like moving forward, I think he can be really solid. But even then, any of those three guys, I don't think are uh, your uh, best ace in the world. Brad Keller is striking out 14% of batters uh, to, to give you the exact figure here. So uh, not fantastic. So that's probably the answer for, for this question. And keeping on the negative wave, I guess this question is just hilarious because I really couldn't come to a conclusion because of the teams with winning records, they're all entertaining. So the question is, which team with a winning record is the least entertaining in baseball? Asked by Boom or Bust 8 on Twitter. And I'm going to quickly ask for you to pull up the MLB standing so we can get a full list. But I, I have my answer. So while you're pulling that up, I went with the Brewers. Okay. But I don't actually believe that because I love watching the Brewers pitching. Yeah. But that's the thing. The offense isn't incredible. When Yelich isn't hitting, sometimes it's hard to find a ton of fun there. Yeah. Unless you love pitching, which I do. So I don't really think that. But at least right now, that's my least entertaining I guess because I'll always believe in the Giants and I think the way that the Giants can beat teams with lesser players is is incredible to watch. So the Brewers I guess would be my pick but I hate picking them because I love watching them. And, and I'll be honest like this is, sounds really dumb but ballpark matters a little bit too. So like I love watching the Giants play in San Francisco. I th- that is that stadium is beautiful. It just facilitates more inside the parkers than anybody. Like I always enjoy a game with John Miller on the call and and just watching San Francisco, the Rays, they're like, I love, obviously, Wander Franco is, is one of the most exciting young players in the game, but he's not fully clicking on all cylinders. When Shane McClanahan's pitching, I love it. 
But a lot of times it's like some random dude, they piece it together with a bullpen and their offense. I mean, like, are you excited to see Manny Margot? He's playing out of his mind, but there's no way I'm like, Oh, yo, yo guys, like Peter, can you hold that thought for a sec? I need to watch Manny Margot hit real quick. Like no shot. Am I doing that? So, and then the stadium factor, the drop just pisses me off. So I, I love Rays fans. I, I love the Rays as an org, obviously. Um, I just don't think they're the most exciting team to watch in the world, unless they're playing the Yankees. Then I'm in. When they you play know the what? Yankees, I want to I want to change my answer to the Rays because you're totally spot on there. Totally spot on. I disrespected the Brewers. I didn't want to. And the only reason I did so I, they're not fun was either. just because of the offense. And that's the only reason. But I love watching them. So I'm the Rays are the reason. The only I watch the Rays so often, you know, face the Yankees, face the Red Sox, face the Blue Jays. So all those games are normally good. And the Rays have this weird thing. They will play to their competition. If the Rays are facing Alec Manoa, they're facing Kevin Gosman, they're facing Garrett Cole, they're facing Chris Sale, they're facing any elite pitcher, they will beat them. But then you have the Rays face... I don't know. What's a good example uh, like the Matthew Boyd on the Giants or like just, just uh, like that's even a bad example, but just a nobody or a rookie. They play down to their level. That's the been the problem with the Rays. So if you catch the Rays on a midweek game against the Rangers in Glen Auto, they might lose. Like that's what the Rays do. But then you catch them on a Friday night game against Garrett Cole and they win five to two. Like that's just how the Rays are. It's unbelievable. I'm with you. And so I don't love watching the Brewers with this version of Yelich, though he's showing us flashes, but you know, I can get behind Rowdy Telez and Willie Adamas. Like realistically, outside of outside of a couple guys on that race team, I just I love what McClanahan's scheduled, you know, scheduled watch. But other than that, yeah, I, I would go with the Rays as the least exciting fun or least exciting good team out there. I don't know, man. It's kind of fun watching Ryan Yarborough chuck 86 on the corners. <laughs> Okay. Here. All right. Now we're breaking over to the positive side, but um, the next question might be a bit negative, but we'll see. We'll see what your answer is looking like. So the third question is who is the team that when, who is the team that once healthy, you see soaring up the ranks asked by Lil DJ two, two, eight on Twitter. It's an interesting question because a lot of teams are going through it a little bit and it's funny the team that will get healthy and throw up the ranks might be the Dodgers when they get <laughs> fully healthy, which is hilarious because yeah. they aren't fully healthy right now. But my team and Darius is going to love this because I know what he's fishing for. He wants me to talk about his San Francisco Giants. And I agree with him. I think the San Francisco Giants, when healthy, will soar up these rankings. No Brandon Belt sucks right now. No Steven Duggar, no Austin Slater, no Lamont Wade. Anthony Descafani has been on the shelf. Matthew Boyd has not made his first appearance and Darren Ruff is currently on the bereavement list. So right now, when you look at the Giants roster, it looks pretty depleted and especially against the Phillies, but they've battled with the Phillies, even with not a lot of guys, this roster without those four hitters and those two pitchers looks a lot less. I think the Giants are the team. Who's the team in the AL that you see really once they get healthy soaring up? Yeah. So here's, I I go white Sox, but I'm nervous that they might never get healthy. You know, I, I, every time I think they're about to be on the mend, someone else goes down and it's, it's really weird. And now, you know, Tim Anderson goes down with a groin injury and you know, you know how much those can nag you. I think he could be out for a long time. Eloy Jimenez just re-aggravated his injury uh, on his rehab assignment in the minors. Lance Lynn is now, you know, working back. He's in AAA. That's going to be a massive boost for them. Joe Kelly being back and healthy 
will be a huge boost for them. Yohan Mankata's in and out, in and out, just hasn't been right. Uh, and, and of course, Garrett Crochet is going to be out for the season. So I, I look at the rest of the team. I, I do, I do feel like when they get, hopefully, you know, Luis Robert consistently playing, when they get Tim Anderson back, uh, when they get Pollock in the lineup fully and, and Vaughn consistently playing again too, I still think that this White Sox team is nuts. I mean, like they're so good. And the fact that Johnny Cueto is giving them innings, uh, they finally decided to part ways with Dallas Keuchel, which I think was the right move. Adding Lance Lynn to this rotation could make it really, really good. And I think that, you know, the bats are going to start to trickle in. I still like the White Sox to put some pressure on the Twins when we get to the second half. It should be pretty fun to watch. But, heck, the Twins haven't even been healthy themselves either. Uh, and the Twins continue to be banged up as well. So it could be just a, a, a battle of attrition between those two teams and whoever stays healthiest wins. And right now, I think the Twins have the best shot to stay healthy. But are you going to bet on Correa and Buxton staying healthy and Royce Lewis? It's kind of scary, too. I'd rather bet on the White Sox, but I agree. It's going to be a down-to-the-wire type finish, and I have a big future on the Chicago White Sox to win the division. So if they lose, that one could hurt my bank account. But it's not gambling, by, so who cares? <laughs> uh, the last team I want to talk about is the New York Mets, because the New York Mets, certainly when they get healthy, are going to be much better. Jacob deGrom, we know the full story. Uh, Tyler McGill, you know, is still out. Max Scherzer's still out. Even a guy like Joey Lucchese. You know, you could probably use him. Eh, probably not. But you're more might be more worried about James McCann. Then again, you might not be. But he had handmade surgery on um, on that bone in your hand. Um, I don't know. Did he have surgery? I'm looking on. Um, I think they take the handmade bone out. So, yeah, that's what they, I was saying. I was like, I saw that he had surgery because I'm looking right now on Fangraph. It says surgery, but I don't think he's going to be out for that long. No, no. So like the surgery, quote unquote, yeah. uh, only reason I know this is because Griffin went through this recently. They take the handmate bone out when it breaks and then you don't really need it. It takes a little bit of time to get your grip strength back and everything. So I don't think it's like some crazy thing. It'll probably be six weeks and then he'll start swinging again. It takes a while to get the feel back and break up the scar tissue, but uh, you know, it's not like James McCann's value really comes with the bat anyways. <laughs> He's going to give you value with the glove always and whatever you get with the bats a bonus. And I, I think they're definitely feeling it without him. I don't think Patrick Mazika uh, and Tom, Tomas Nito are are the guys that are, you know, really going to be the, who you count on behind the dish. At the end of the day, McCann is, you know, a veteran who pitchers like working with. But with the Mets, at the end, it boils down to this. You have two Hall of Fame pitchers who are unavailable. Uh, that'll three. Help. Tyler McGill. Tyler McGill too. Yeah, no, I actually everyone who was in my DMs, like Silor McGill, Silor, Silor McGill. And, and like I bought into it because of all the hype that was like in good. my mentions. It was like, man, like, is he that good? I see him throwing hard and I do believe in him. I really do. But then then I saw the velocity start to leave. And then I'm like, okay, that was that was the guy. Like Mets fans, stop. Well, maybe it was the injury. Over. Maybe yeah, it was the injury. Could be. You know, so could be. what if he comes back and he's chucking a hundred again? And the Mets, the Mets look pretty scary. So hopefully it was just the injury, and we'll see what what McGill looks like. But I do believe that the Mets are going to be down. I do still think that the Mets can win this division, especially because the Braves just don't look like themselves. They're rocking the highest strikeout rate in all of baseball right now as an offense. They just brought up a dude from Double A, and granted, Michael Harris is is advanced as it gets uh, from a guy in Double A, and uh, is the perfect prototype to fit right into the big leagues. But if you're bringing a dude up from double a it's, I wouldn't, I think desperation is a strong word, but a high level of urgency is being felt by the Braves because look, I know it's early in the season, but once you start getting into double digit games back and they're nine and a half back from the Mets as the time of we're recording this, it, it gets, it gets real tough. Uh, and it's starting to get to that range uh, for the Braves. So uh, I think they're feeling it. 
I think they're absolutely feeling it. Fourth question is a very interesting one because I want to throw it over to you. You're already <laughs> smiling because you already know it. Who is, oh no, is Nolan Gorman the answer to the Cardinal success? Ingersoll on IG. I, before you get into it, of course not. Yeah. I mean, of course not. It could be any prospect. He's not going to be the answer to the team's success. You know, they need to improve in the starting pitching. Overall, does he give him a little bit more power? Absolutely. Does he give him some positional versatility? Absolutely. But a rookie, unless it's a generational type prospect, is never going to be, and to quote, the answer to anyone's success. Doesn't mean that Nolan Gorman is a bad player at, at all. Just means there's almost nobody who will be instrumental and the answer as a prospect, like even a Juan Soto, you know, as a young prospect, he helped them win a world series, but like, that's what it is. Yeah. You know, it has to be a guy like Juan Soto, Juan Soto or Tati, like yeah. those type of players. And Nolan Gorman is not that type of player. No. And I, like the first thought I had was like, even a Bobby Witt, like if you brought a Bobby Witt, he, he wouldn't have been helping you until now. So, you know, I, I think Gorman's going to help them in spots I, again. Like I've been hard on Gorman because I'm hard on him in terms of being ready to help a team every day, but they've been putting him in spots to succeed. And he's been succeeding out of the gate. He struck out 10 times in 36 plate appearances, but he's hit 387 with an 1150 OPS. He's going to give you a ton of power. I think he injects life into the lineup, which is huge. But, you know, were we that worried about the offense? Uh, like, yes, they could have used that jolt because Tyler O'Neill hasn't been great. Dylan Carlson hasn't been great. Uh, Harrison Bader hasn't been great. Uh, but I, I agree with you, Peter. In, until they get a little bit more reinforcement in the, in the starting pitching department, I, I don't think that they can really feel great about, you know, Nolan Gorman making a difference. I, I think a Matthew Libertor, even though Gorman, I think long-term will be the better player. I think Matthew Libertor could make more of a difference for them this year, given what they need, because I, I really think the lineup will come together. And, and when you're getting what you're getting, I know Arenado slowed down, but Tyler O'Neill is not having a 552 OPS at the end. No of the shot. It's not and happening. Tommy, and Tommy Edmund is the fucking truth. Yes. And I said fucking because he's the fucking truth, dude. <laughs> he's awesome. like he, he, the exit velos are great. His defense is unmatched. It seems like the fact that he can move over from second base to shortstop so effortlessly. And he's got real bat to ball skills. This is he, Tommy Edmund is turning into one of my favorite players to watch on the Cardinals. And one, Yepes rakes. I will say Yepes that until the day all, I And die. that's the thing, too, is like Yepes is kind of giving you what you're hoping to get from Gorman. Uh, so, Literally. you know, it, it's not like it's this irreplaceable production that you're getting from Gorman, whereas, you know, Edmund's stealing bat bases, playing elite defense, you know, bat to ball, like you mentioned, sneaky power, uh, doing all the little things. Gorman's it's it's all or nothing, right? He's going to he's going to hit you the big home runs or he's going to strike out and he's not going to give you much more value in any other department. Great boost for them right now, but I don't think he's a needle mover um, like some other players could be for them uh, in terms of the pitching department. That makes sense. And Paul Goldschmidt is a legit MVP candidate right now. The fact that he's one of the greatest hitters against left-handed pitching, at least so far this season, maybe in the history of baseball. I think he's got like a 515 batting average against lefties right now. It's unreal. And everybody wants to hear us talk about Juan Soto because his name has been you know, speculated to be possibly traded. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about loop before we talk about Juan <laughs> Soto, because I know everybody's going to want to hear about the Juan Soto trade proposals. But if you click the link in our episode, 
episode description, you get a free $20 to download the Loop app, which we are doing live streams on. We are doing giveaways on. And that's just what we're doing on it. That doesn't count what you can do on Loop, which is you can break cards. Sellers are you know, doing box breaks all over the loop app. You can join in, hear them talk about it. It's not just baseball. You can do any sport as well. And if you use the link in our episode description, you get a free $20 free pack on us, maybe even two, depending on what type of packs you're buying. And arm, I know they got some big pulls again. Yeah. I mean, and that's the crazy thing is, is across every sport. They're always, they're always pulling some crazy stuff. And uh, we actually had some good pulls on uh, the wild card stream. Uh, you pulled, what would you pull? Dustin Harris, Dustin uh, Harris out of two fifty, not too bad. Around a hundred and fifty dollar card. I'll take yeah. that. And I got an Oscar Colas out of two ninety nine, which is White Sox prospect. He oh he rakes, he rakes. rakes. So I'm pumped on that. I just put out an article of uh the the most underrated prospects in the set because everyone's chasing Khalil Watson, everyone's chasing Ellie De La Cruz and all those names, and. I, I mentioned Dustin Harris because he is super exciting. Uh, 2020 guy last year uh, is starting to get hot in double A. Uh, I also mentioned Lennon Sosa, and that's the number one guy I want to mention. And, and I'm seeing a lot of people pull him. I got a, a lot of uh, DMs like I pulled Lennon Sosa. What should I do? I was like, hold it. Um, Lennon Sosa is White Sox prospect. He's playing out of his mind this year. Jack used his $20 credit and pulled a, a, just a base card, but pulled a Lennon Sosa base card, which I know he was pumped on, but I saw some people pulling autographs on that. And then the crazy thing about it is you also have people ripping like F1 packs on there, which is, I didn't even know they had F1 packs, UFC and pulling super rare, super valuable cards there. So even if you want to dip into something else, you can use a $20 credit to go try and pull. I know somebody recently pulled, um, uh, I want to say Leonard Hamilton. What's what's the Hamilton, the F1 driver? Louis Hamilton or Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton. Is that it? Yeah, Lewis, Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton. One of the great F1 drivers ever. Lewis, Lewis Hamilton card that's worth thousands and thousands of dollars. So you could even dabble in F1 if you want to on the Loop app. And uh, we also did a live stream on there. And hopefully we'll, we'll be doing some more of those in the future where uh, I was just hanging out with with. Griffin Conine, Zach McCambly, two prospects in the Marlin system. Jazz Chisholm joined in, uh, but we, it was just a Q&A, and, and that was super fun too. So if you want to download the Loop app to just also be able to hang out with us and talk, I know I also hopped on the wildcard stream um, and was was talking prospects on there too. It's, it's a fun kind of interactive, almost like you talk about Twitch meets the cards. I had a lot of people reach out to me and say, hey, I just watch other people spend money um, and I watch other people, you know, rip cards and see what they pull. Uh, so you can watch us do that. And you can also watch us just chop it up with prospects on there. So you might as well download the, uh, download the app, get your $20 credit. Uh, and you also will be able to hang out with us too. If you use that link in the description. So use the link in the description or use the code just baseball. Uh, make sure you're clicking it from the episode description. Let us know that let them know that we sent you. So arm it's time. It's the time to speculate a uh, rumor that will not happen because yeah. one soda will not be traded, but it is fun to just answer the question because everybody wants to know. And it's probably the most asked topic right now in baseball. When is one soda coming to my team? And I don't want to give up 
anybody that I really like, but I do really want him. So let's talk about what it could take. If the Nationals trade Juan Soto, what Hall of Prospects would they get and what teams have the capability of pulling it off? Asked by Toby Fox 24 on Instagram, but it was also asked by about four other people, but that was the first one that I that I grabbed. Really? Yeah. Really? Everyone wants to know about Juan Soto. I mean, it's it's clear his name gets brought up and it's like, when is he coming to my team? So, Blue Jays fans, I'd like to say that he could probably go to your team because that's the number one team in my mentions that are like, he's coming to the Blue Jays, he's coming to the Blue Jays, but here's what you're going to have to give up, Blue Jays fans. You're going to have to give up Alec Manoa. You're going to have to give up Gabriel Moreno. You're going to have to give up Arelvis Martinez. And I think you're going to have to give up two more guys. Aram, what do you think about that? Do you think the Blue Jays could do it realistically if they want to give up their entire team? Yeah, I mean, realistically, Gabriel Moreno is a top 10 prospect in baseball. You could do that. Or Elvis Martinez is a top 50 prospect in baseball. It's a good start. Um, You're still not even close, like you said. So uh, you start with those two guys. You're, like you said, you're probably going to have to trade Alec Manoa as well. Uh, And at that point, do you still want to do it? Um, I mean, Probably. And then you have to give up more. That's the thing. It doesn't end Roshan's, there either. Groshans in there. Uh, I think at that point, maybe like Manoa is one of the more valuable young pitchers in the game. So you got Manoa, Moreno, Martinez, Groshans, and maybe you even have to add like a Ricky Tiedemann, who's an up and coming guy. I really like, I, I think you do whatever you need to do to get a Juan Soto, but you have to ask yourself at that point, like, are we giving up too much in every other area? at that point, like, is it really worth it? Cause now who swats into the rotation? Uh, and I know it's Juan freaking Soto, but you're like depleting your team. And if you're still shy, like Juan Soto is going to help you big time. Obviously he's, he's generational, but if you still need to make more moves to win a world series, how are you going to get there? Cause now you just depleted yourself of every asset you have. Um, it's, it's tough. I, I, I don't really see how a team can do it and then still be in a position unless it's the Dodgers. Um, you know, the Yankees, that's if the they thing. want to trade Volpe, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if they even want to do that because that's the funny thing. I think the Yankees and the Dodgers are the team that would do it. I mean, you go to the Mariners, the Mariners could do it, but Mariners do they could. want to, I mean, they might, I mean, what, what would a trade from the Mariners look like from, Oh them? my gosh. Cause I mean, it'd be, it'd be George Kirby, be Matt Brash. Like, could you get it done without J Rod? I, I don't. I don't know if you, you couldn't could. get it done without J Rod. What's Kelnick's value now? Like that's that. I don't. I don't want. Would they take those? Though. Would they take those pitchers and get into LV Marte and Kelnick? Probably not. Like you'd have to headline it with J Rod. Yep. You might have to trade them tie friends. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, they wouldn't have to, but it'd probably be J Rod. It'd probably be Kirby. It'd probably be Brash. It'd probably be Noel V Marte. And it would and probably be another big league piece. Like maybe Kelnick too. Like that's crazy. Like I crazy. Is it really like you're going all in on one human being? I, I just, to me, I, I don't tend to think that, you know, unless, unless it's one of those situations where, the value is not to the degree of Soto's like you'll give Miguel Cabrera that package, you know, that was still a, at the time a haul uh, and it worked in the Tigers favor, but his value wasn't nearly what, what Juan Soto's is now in terms of control and things like that. I just think where it's at, there's almost no way that you can win because the market value quote unquote for Juan Soto is, is going to be in a place where it's almost impossible to come out on top. Unless Juan Soto is the one piece you're missing and you have endless uh, you know, endless prospects, which I think the Dodgers fit that mold. Um, and you start with Bellinger and then just throw in, you know, every one of your top prospects. That's the only team that I think it could still make sense. You go Diego Cartaya, you go Bobby Miller, you go Andy Pajes and Miguel Vargas. 
with a Bellinger, maybe you could pull that off and the Dodgers would still have an okay system, which is disgusting to think about. And that's the crazy, because every, I feel like people asking this question, it's not Yankees or Dodger fans asking for Juan Soto. It's how can Juan Soto come to my team? That's not the Yankees or the Dodgers. But I kind of do think the Yankees and the Dodgers are hypothetical front runners. He's not getting traded just because the first the Yankees have a need in the outfield currently with Aaron Hicks not being real and Joey Gallo being even worse. And then the Dodgers could possibly use him as well if they're going to get rid of Cody Bellinger. And then they have the all the prospects. I mean, the Yankees could really, I mean, they could give Volpe, Peraza, Pereira, Oswaldo. They could really make they, a package and maybe centered pull. around Glaber or something. Yeah. And then the Dodgers, the same thing, package centered around Bellinger and then give them four of your top prospects. That realistically could get it done. But then again, it won't happen. I really don't think he's I don't think he's getting traded unless something crazy happens. And and here's the last thing I'll say on it is is, you know, optically, you making this trade as a GM is almost like lighting the match to the gasoline trail that could eventually lead to your firing. Because if you make this trade and you don't win a world series within two years, you're can't, you just mortgage the whole future, like everything, every asset you have for Juan Soto. And if you're not positive that the rest of your team is built to win, they're firing your ass. Like, and is any GM willing to take that risk? Maybe AJ Preller. And he doesn't have enough to make he it happen. Give a shit. So, yeah, Dave Dombrowski, he yeah. can't do it either. Arm, so, I think you know, that I think that was the best point of the pod so far. I mean, think yeah. about it just mentally as the GM. You, if if it doesn't go amazingly perfect, one hundred percent, win World Series, you're fired. And and that you is all, away so much out of your control. There's so much out of your control. Juan Soto doesn't just make you win a World Series. He hits four times a game and he plays you know, okay defense, not even. Yeah. So it's In a like, corner. so I, to me, it's like, I'm not making that deal unless it's a Mookie Betts situation, or you can, you know, pull off a Miguel Cabrera type of package. But for what the package would be right now, it's setting you're putting yourself in a position to get fired. And I don't think any GM is willing to take that risk. And let's keep our trade hats on for the next question. A player that is more likely to be dealt, yes. not totally sold on him getting dealt yet because, you know, we never know what's going to happen with the Red Sox. Aside from St. Louis, what are some realistic trade destinations for Xander Bogarts if the Red Sox decide to trade him? I, funny enough, I don't think it's going to be St. Louis because if St. Louis does not want to get rid of Gorman, Liberator, or Jordan Walker, I don't see how they get Xander Bogarts. And that's all that we've heard that they are locked on those three guys. So I just don't think that they're going to do that. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't really see how they do it. Um, and, you know, I don't even know if they need to necessarily do it because I, I, I like what they have going on there. And I think Edmund could ultimately be the shortstop. I think they really do believe in Gorman long-term. So, you know, why put all the money at shortstop? Cause if you trade for, for Bogarts, you're presumably extending him. Um, if, if you're training for him as a rental, then maybe it makes sense, but I would rather see them put that money towards starting pitching. And, and I think that the Cardinals feel the same way and Jordan Walker could be up there before, you know, it too. And, and, you know, at that point, where's he going to play? Because it's not going to be the hot corner where one of the best defensive third baseman of all time is. So, you know, they, they have a little bit of a crowded infield situation. It makes sense in theory, but I'm with you, Peter. I don't necessarily think that they are, uh, the, the best fit. I wonder, and Dansby Swanson is, is starting to play really well. 
I wonder if the Braves would mess around and make that splash. Uh, if, if Swanson struggles or if Swanson starts playing so well that, you know, he starts to command a bag potentially that they'd say, Hey, and getting in that price range, I'd rather maybe just get more bang for my buck with, uh, with a Xander Bogarts. I look at the Phillies maybe, but they, they would really be stretched thin to make that package work. And then, you know, I'm obviously going to, going to throw the Marlins into the hat here just because look, I'm not convinced that they would extend him because I'm not convinced ever that they're ever going to spend money, but Mm -hmm. the Marlins are desperate. The Marlins have prospects and they don't really have a shortstop that looks like he's going to be taken over anytime soon. Jazz Chisholm seems to be settled in a second. Miguel Rojas is, you know, aging. That could make sense. I mean, it's close to home for Xander who grew grew up in uh, Curacao, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, That's, the only other team that I see is like desperate for a shortstop. A lot of teams are pretty good in I've that won. regard, right? Like a good I've team won, out there I've has won, a good shortstop. About, I've won. You're forgetting about this team. If they got Xander Bogarts, would take them over the top at least offensively. The Los Angeles Angels. Ooh. Andrew Velasquez is currently their shortstop right now, and as he's a phenomenal defender. But I think when it push comes to shove. Andrew Velasquez will not be the starting shortstop for a playoff caliber team. No disrespect at all to Andrew Velasquez. Still a solid player. No, Works better as a guy who you can place around in the infield and really get the most out of his defense. Because what also Xander Bogarts does for the for the Angels is give them an incredible like um, separator between Otani and Trout as well in the lineup. Plus, you know, with Rendon continuing to deal with injuries, could Xander possibly move over to third and you allow Rendon to have more of a DH role? Just let him get his legs out, out up from under him so he just doesn't have to deal with playing the field. I could see that being the move. And then you could use a DH also to give to Xander because Xander's not that great of a defender, but maybe the move over to third could make sense if you really love Andrew Velasquez. I, I think Xander Bogarts to the Angels could take them from a team that's competing with the Ash shows to maybe even better than the Astros. And what's interesting too, is, you know, they have the challenge of Otani as well at the DH spot, but I'm, I'm encouraged with what we've seen from Rendon as of late, like he's starting to heat up. And if that inspires them to say like, Hey, let's get one more bat in here. Another guy that doesn't swing and miss, right? Like, like that's the thing is trout is, is trout, but Otani K's, you know, yep. there's when, when, when you have Rendon struggling, you know, it, sometimes he's inconsistent. Like you're getting a consistent, consistent bat. No, Rendon doesn't K a lot, but he's, you know, hot and cold as of the last couple of years, Xander, you know what you're getting. Um, and, and that's pretty exciting. The other thing with the angels is their biggest the, issue is middle infield depth. Their pitching's coming together. Like yeah. who would have thought and crazy enough, man, if you listen to the call up um, on Friday, we were talking to Zach McCambly and Griffin Conine, you know, who are in double A South. And I was like, you know, last year, nobody wanted to face the Montgomery Biscuits because that's the Rays double A. And Griffin was like, that's six straight days of misery, you know, because oh. it's just Rays pitching prospects, 98 up with high spin and a hammer. And he's like, it was six days of misery. It's like, it's not as bad this year. You know who's six days of misery right now? The Trash Pandas, which is double A for the Angels, because guess what? They've drafted nothing but pitchers for the last two years. And we're seeing guys like Silseth get bumped up. We're seeing Kai Bush start to shove. We're seeing all these dudes pitch. I think they're okay with making a move. I think they might trade some dudes. If not now, now, when Angels, come on, they're finally doing it. It's so exciting. They deserve it. It's been years of shit. And now they're back. And they got the pitching in the minor leagues coming up. They make a trade for Xander Bogarts. We could see Mike Trout 
in the World Series, maybe. Probably not. But we'll see. Playoffs. Fuck, man. Playoffs. Just give me a playoffs. Just give me like multiple playoff series and I'll be over the moon. I just want to see and, Mike Trout in big situations. And here's another team who should make the playoffs, but they got to make some moves. What should the priority be for the Blue Jays at the deadline? Do they need a lefty bat? Do they need swing and miss out of the pen? I will say, first off, yes, bullpen has got to be number one priority. Adding a lefty bat would be nice. They did that with Corey Dickerson, if I'm not mistaken, last year, and that basically did nothing. You need bullpen help. Jordan Romano is a great reliever, but he had his, he has had his blow-up starts. And Julian Merriweather, as much as I love the talent, I mean, the guy just gets injured and you know gets sent back down. There's just It's a lot of things that he's dealing with right now. And Adam Simber is a good arm, but like they need, especially in a division where you have the Rays and the Yankees and all their bullpen talent. I mean, the Blue Jays ranked 19th in bullpen ERA and they're down there in FIP. They're down there in XFIP as well. Bullpen has got to be the priority here. And I like the, the, the point in the question almost made, which is swing and miss. Yes. I like their middle relief arms. I, a lot of former Marlins guys that I've seen like Yimmy Garcia, fine middle reliever, uh, uh, Trevor Richards, fine swing man. You know, he's good. these, he's these right. are good guys to have in your stable, yes. but these aren't guys that you're putting in with a runner on third and one out and saying, yes. you know, Adam Simber strike this guy out. You know, like that's a guy you're putting in the sixth to go one, two, three, get some ground balls and get out of it. Or, you know, the, Jordan Romano is really the only guy that is averaging any impressive strikeout rate at this point. And I think they've got to go get that swing and miss guy. No doubt about it. I was going to say my answer to this question was just yes, because I think they need <laughs> both. Uh, Rhino yeah. Tapia stinks. Like yeah. Certifiably stinks. I hate to say it. Kevin Biggio is, it's just not going to happen in Toronto. Uh, they don't have a lefty bat. So yeah. that definitely matters. But I, I think you can get away with not having a lefty bat. You know, if you have guys that are pretty balanced with the lineup and this lineup is so good. Uh, so yeah. I, like it is, is, Teoscar Hernandez is going to hit 170 the whole year. No, no. Uh, so like I think they'll be fine offensively. I think you got to prioritize the bullpen uh, and go get a good bullpen arm. And uh, ironically, I think they need a lefty arm out of the pen too. So exactly, they need a lefty thrower and a lefty hitter. Uh, I would prioritize bullpen, but I'd say it's pretty close. I think they need both pretty badly. Are you still fully in the belief that the Blue Jays are like a playoff team that you're you know you're you're buying in because with how good the Yankees and the Rays are. And then with how, you know, we assume that the White Sox are going to come back and then how good the Angels could be. There just might not be enough room in say, the regular uh, season for them to make it. I was going to say in a vacuum, they're a playoff caliber team. Exactly. No, but, no debate there. But as you said, their division is tough. And if you just kind of go by the, the playoff Sox. spots, there's only so many spots. If Vladimir Guerrero is not hitting the way he hit last year, it's going to be hard for them. And it's pretty surprising. You know, Lourdes Gurriel struggling, Matt Chapman struggling, Boba Shett is refusing to walk. Uh, <laughs> they're going to need to call up Gabriel Moreno, I think sometime soon. Uh, and they need to inject some life into this team. I, I think that it's getting to the point now where I could easily see them missing the playoffs, which is very surprising to say, because even through this point, their pitching has been as good as you could really hope. Aside from Jose Barrios, Kikuchi's been solid. Gossman's been phenomenal. Manoa's been a joke in terms of being just so damn good. He's like, like one of the best pitchers in baseball right now. Yeah, like their starting pitching's been great outside of Barrios. 
what more could you ask for? The offense, I think, will be better, but it might be too little too late. Also, this was a take that I was perpetuating throughout TikTok. Um, and I, I I thought you agreed with at the time. I remember we spoke about it, and that's what kind of gave me the confidence to really be like, yeah, I truly believe this. Because when you had my back, I was like, yeah, like <laughs> this is going to happen. That Alec Manoa is the best pitcher on the Blue Jays. Yeah. That I was saying this at the beginning of the year, that he is, that Barrios is nice, you know, and Gosman's going to be great. He's not going to be, you know, San Francisco Gosman, but he has been San Francisco Gosman. But this, and I thought Barrios was the easy three to Manoa's one. Right now, we've seen Manoa and Gosman be like 1A and 1B, but then Barrios has been dropping off. I think it's just how confident we were in Alec Manoa and how the confidence on Barrios was draining. A hundred percent, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm all, he's 24. He's so good. So you want a crazy, crazy stat here. 112 innings, 112 innings between Gossman and Manoa this year, 14 walks combined between the two of them. They're disgusting. It's just, they're phenomenal. That's that's what could get like, if I think the big X factor, if they're not going to, you know, hit the way we think they can, Barrios better step it up. They're going to have to pitch their way. They're going to have to pitch their way there. You know that two out of five days, you are going to have the advantage almost every single time with Gossman and Manoa. Kikuchi's never going to screw you. I don't think like, I think he looks pretty darn good. He does. Um, Barrios and Ryu, like, can you just even just tread water? Uh, because the offense is not picking up its weight right now and the pitching needs to do what it needs. But to that's do. the problem. If the offense isn't humming and then it's a two, two ball game when Kevin Gosman just gave you a seven and then the bullpen blows it, you're blowing it. Like there's, those are the wins you need. They're not excelling anywhere right now. And that's, that's the problem a hundred percent. But you know what? I think at the same time, would you be surprised if they caught fire and, and went nuts? No, but I, I am Not definitely feeling the least optimistic I've felt about them thus far. I agree. I, I'm, I'm feeling the same way. So we have arm Layton on prospect guru. And so what we got to do is do the prospect report. Um, it's a little bit of a lighter prospect report, but so please leave your, because we kind of talked about Nolan Gorman, but he's not a prospect anymore. So make sure to leave your prospect questions on the mailbag episode again on Twitter at just BB media or on our Instagram at just baseball show. So we got a couple guys here. What are your thoughts on Francisco Alvarez, the catcher for the New York Mets, who is a definitive top five prospect in all of baseball. Now that the, um, like a lot of guys like Adley Rutgers, and Bobby Wood Jr. and Julio Rodriguez, all of them have graduated. Francisco Alvarez is right in the thick of it. And Colt Keith, who I'll be completely honest with you, Arm, I don't know who that is, so I decided to add him. But a lot of people are going to know who Francisco Alvarez is. Let's talk about him and then talk about Colt Keith. So one of my favorite things that you've ever said um, was when we went to the Futures game and you said Francisco Alvarez looks like he has pads under his jersey um, because he legitimately does. He looks um, like he's wearing catcher's gear under his uniform. It's it's legitimately he looks like like a like a linebacker. And the craziest part is he moves so well. And um, you know I, everyone knows who Francisco Alvarez is. So like the angle I'm going to really take here is that he is is playing against guys that are way more advanced way older and he is still holding his own every time i think he's going to start slumping he breaks out of it every time he has a bad game he bounces back with a good one and that's so encouraging for a 20 year old in double a he's only striking out 25 percent of the time which is to me extremely low given that he's hitting for the power that he's hitting for he walks the defense keeps getting better not only is he a definitive top five prospect peter He's got a serious case to be our number one prospect in the midseason update, depending on who officially graduates. I'm all in. The sound, 
the sound of bat on ball at 19, 20. We saw that old. ball, that laser beam he hit. I mean, like, it, he's. Dude, I was visibly shook. I look <laughs> over to you in the stand. I'm like, like, eyes, whoa. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, I mean, guys, you know, you know, we saw Shane Boz, saw Kate Cavalli, we saw a ton of these guys. But Francisco Alvarez was the most impressive player from that futures game. I'll stand on that. I think he was. I, I agree. And I think, you know, he's backing that up again to, to do what you're doing. Or if you're Francisco Alvarez at 20 years old to walk, you know, keep the K's in check. Homer, impressive defense. You know, he's also mixing in the doubles. This guy, he could be up by next year, uh, which is which early next year, which is crazy. And uh it's been so fun to just watch this guy play. And then a guy that kind of came out of nowhere, like you mentioned, I mean, not a lot of people know who Colt Keith is. And I literally have my notes on him up here right now, because I wrote up the tiger system last year and Colt Keith didn't have a great year last year. Uh, he was really good in low A, then hit the wall in high A as a high school guy. Um, but he has really put it together and still only 20 years old. Now getting his second look at high A has been insane. Uh, he's hitting 298, 364, 512 with six homers. And with Keith, he was always a bat-to-ball guy. And this is the profile I always love. If you're a great bat-to-ball guy and then you develop into power and now, you know, that bat-to-ball is those doubles are turning into homers, I'm all in. And right now he's striking out less than 20% of the time. So the bat-to-ball hasn't taken a hit and he's hitting way more homers. He had two home runs in 62 games last year, he already has six home runs in 41 games this year. So he's added physicality and he's striking out less. Like what else do you need to see from a guy to be excited about him? So Tigers fans, you should be very excited about Colt Keith uh, over slot guy in the 2020 draft in the fifth round as a high school dude could end up being a great steal in that draft. Uh, and, and overall a pretty good draft for, for the Tigers that year. And we end it with a great question. It really is a great question here. I can only be the fan of one team for the next 15 years. Which team has the highest upside? And we were only given four teams to choose from, which is the Rangers, the Reds, the Pirates, or the Royals, asked by Chris underscore PR underscore 13 on Twitter. This is a tough one. I want to throw it to you first because you have a better gauge on their systems. But off the cut, I had an answer, but I want to see if it makes sense with yours. Um, yeah, I, I love that we 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 uh, don't know what the other is going to say when we when we answer these. Um, I, I am going with with the Pirates. Uh, I think the Pirates. Ben Charrington's done an unbelievable job. Uh, you look at the big league roster. There's some pieces there. You know, you got Key Brian Hayes, who is, you know, looking phenomenal at third. I'd like to see a little bit more power, but elite defender and he's hitting the ball. Rowanzi Contreras is now up there and throwing. Uh, you have guys like Jack Sawinski emerging, but Brian Reynolds, I know he's struggling. He's still an all-star. Uh, and then the system is, is crazy. I mean, you look at the system, O'Neill Cruz, though he's not playing the way you would hope. He looks a little uninspired in AAA. One of the most insane raw power guys we've seen. Henry Davis is outrageous. Number one overall pick in his past drafts. Leover Paguero has been great. Nick Gonzalez. I love Andy Rodriguez is great. Like their system is stupid and they've got some young talent uh, already up in the big leagues. Sign me up for the pirates. Uh, I'm a little bit nervous about the pitching. You know, I think they could definitely use a little bit more pitching. Uh, but when you look at the rest of these teams, uh, they all have pretty much similar questions and concerns and the pirates are the deepest. Sign me up for the fricking Pittsburgh pirates. And 
everything you said is exactly correct. It's, it's one of the big reasons why I love their system, but you know, our guy, Ryan Miller talks about it. The host of the boys of spring podcast covering all things, college baseball. And we have some more college baseball content coming for you later on the just baseball show. So stay tuned for that later in the week. Um, but you know, he's a big pirates guy and he's been, you know, been Ben Charrington's biggest cheerleader. <laughs> and he's right because he's right. the pirates really have revamped the way they evaluate players. They've revamped their, um, the way they develop the players as well in-house, you know, the training regimens. I, I, I remember um, when Dustin was going through his draft process when he was in high school, we talked about it. And all we heard was how, man, it is tough to be in the pirate system. Yeah. They yeah. work you like a dog. They don't have a lot of the technology that other teams do. And then Ben Charrington came in. And he really revamped this. And I believe in the Pirates, you know, even a guy like O'Neill Cruz, is, who's their tippity top prospect, even if he doesn't work out, they have so much depth in the system. They have so many young pitchers coming up the pipe. And again, they're going to have another good draft pick again for the next couple of years because they're still a ways away. But when I look at those four teams and I'll pull them back up again, it was the Reds, the Rangers or the Royals. Eileen Pirates. Yeah, I mean, I look at the Rangers. Their system is is much improved, but you know, still they they don't have the talent at the big league level. Yes, they have the, the middle infield situation, but Marcus Semyon is scary. They have five hundred million tied up in yeah, that. Tied up, and and the team still stinks. John Gray is looking a little scary too. Like they, they still have so many pieces that they need to fulfill. Uh, and, and to your point about the development, you're seeing guys like Cal Mitchell take the leap. And now Cal Mitchell is looking like a potential big league piece. Diego Castillo has been up there. We'll see what he can do. Like they are also turning decent players into potential above average regulars. And then they have the superstar prospects. If O'Neill doesn't work out, Leo Verpaguero looks great at short. Like they've got a lot of irons in the fire and I feel safer there. The Royals, they've got a lot of young, exciting offense. And I think they're probably number two. I I would go with them, but the pitching man, I mean, like, uh, Jack Jack's watching uh, Jackson Coar pitch, and he's also watching Chris Bubich pitch. He shouldn't be watching those guys. Jack works in AAA. Great job. You know he's going to be the big soon. But I mean, those guys shouldn't be in AAA. Jack should be calling games with with You're guys so right. that You're that so should, right. It's just so right. So Coar, you know. I'm losing hope on him. Bubich, I'm losing hope. Lynch just has never quite put it together, though this is the best form we've seen. What does the Royals pitching situation look like in the future? I don't know, Peter. So I think the Pirates are the most balanced. I have the most faith in them. Then I'd go Royals. Then I'd go Reds. Then I'd go Rangers. What's your order? I just checked the box score of Guardians versus Royals because we I do have Guardians money line today. And Daniel Lynch, four innings pitch, eight hits, six earned runs, three walks, two strikeouts. Cal Quantrill on the other side, five innings pitch, five hits, two earned runs, four strikeouts. That's such a Cal Quantrill line. And no walks from Cal Quantrill. That's good. That's that's what we're talking about there, too. But the Guardians are up 6-2. That's what my thinking is with the Royals. And maybe this is blasphemy. But would I take the Reds over the Royals? Seriously, probably not. But I'm thinking think it's about that it. crazy. I don't think it's that that crazy. I, I like what the Reds have done in terms my, of like my worry is is Hunter Green. I, yeah. I just don't know what he is going to be because if he came up and he was 
dominant. And then like Nick Lodolo came up and dominant, you know, these are rookies. We shouldn't expect them to be great early, but to be really, really bad early. That's a little bit concerning. And then I look around, I do like some of the moves that they made. And I do believe that through the farm system that the reds will be better, but the Royals have more upside, but I just don't believe in the Royals pitching at all. And no. when we're waiting on Bobby Wood Jr. and MJ Melendez, and those are the two guys, but then besides that, there's not a ton to love. That's why maybe I think you could side with Reds, but I think the Rangers are in fourth, unfortunately. Yes, Rangers aren't, which is crazy because that's a team that spent $500 million. I know. Well, because they're better right now. That's the best team right now. But if you're talking like what team should I root for for the next 15 years, and when you have 10 years locked up at 500 million, you got Corey Seager for 10 and you got Semin for seven. I'm not going to choose that team in this exercise. Yeah. I'm not trying to tie my hands behind my back when I have a freedom pick here. Um, yeah. Get, give me, give me the pirates. Uh, and, and I think we're on the same page there. Royals could surprise if, if, yes. if a couple of the pitchers put it together, you know, they could surprise, but they've given us no reason to believe that they're going to put it together with their pitchers. They just have not developed pitching for, for shit really. And we'll end it on with shit really from arm with the Royals. So that'll do it for this episode. Wednesday's up of the just baseball show. Of course we do a bi-weekly mailbag. So the next time you can ask your questions to be featured on the podcast, make sure you're following us on Twitter at just BB media. Our guy, Ethan Badowski is killing it constantly putting out highlights. So not only will you be able to ask, but it's a fun Twitter account to follow. You also get updates on all of our different podcasts, like the boys of spring covering college baseball state of the division with just six days a week, 15 minutes on each division in baseball arms got the NL East. I got the AL East. And then we have all the rest of the just baseball writers and personalities sprinkled across all the divisions. We have not gambling advice, which is my fantasy baseball slash gambling podcast host with Colby Olsey. Colby Olsey, Colby <laughs> Olson, Arm Layton. He's hosting one with Jack McMullen, but it's mostly Arms podcast talking prospects. But Jack's been on it a lot, which I love to see. I just love seeing yeah, you, it's great. you guys it's go great back and forth. We, yeah, it's great to have him on, especially when we're talking like AAA guys he's seen. We went through the top 100 list, but um, that's been really fun. And then, of course, follow along on the Twitter so that you can uh, see all the latest articles we have out. We have been churning out articles every single day, waiver wire pickups, deep dives into teams, anything you need to know, any topics like we're spending a lot of time trying to cover every team, every topic uh, in depth and, and keep you informed and, and give you the most entertaining baseball coverage. It's been cool to see the website uh, really just continue to grow and tick up traffic wise. And also one last reminder to click that loop link in the description and download that app. Absolutely. And we just hit 125,000 followers on TikTok. Great, um, great plaque, you know, put on the board, you got 125,000 followers or whatever. But really, we love making TikTok content, Instagram content, Twitter content, website, podcasts. And again, if you are watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button if you enjoyed. And with that, thank you, everybody.